The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus saw a great throng, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a lonely place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the country and villages round about and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves have you? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down by companies upon the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before all the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. The Gospel of the Lord. What's interesting to note is that in the early church, so when the early church would associate uh, particularly scenes from the gospel with the Eucharistic mystery, this was the one that was most preeminent. And so if you look like in the artwork in the catacombs, in the catacombs you, har you hardly ever see an image of the Last Supper, which was something that kind of started uh, in the Renaissance, a lot of paintings of the Last Supper. Uh, but what you have in the catacombs is always the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes. And this was the Eucharistic mystery that the, the church was caught up in, the fact that the Lord would feed his people and feed them in a miraculous way. And so that's also then where we get that image of the fish that represented Christ also in the early church. It was the sign of the Christian, was the sign of the fish. And so um, this scene, we should always look at it in light of the Eucharist, in light of its fulfillment when the Lord will then feed his people with his own self and feed them abundantly, right? And so it also we see from the first reading that not only are we looking to it with regards to its fulfillment in the Eucharist, but we should also, as the first reading says, always be remembering the source of this great mystery, which is the love of God, the love of God. And so there is a thing that we can sometimes get caught up in in our relationship with God, where we are trying to either cause an increase in his love for us, an increase in his love for us, and that is nonsensical because God is love, and he is also unchangeable. And so God cannot love us any more, and he also cannot love us any less. The fluctuation in love is not on the part of God, it is on our part. The fluctuation of love is something that we either increase or decrease in, but God is love. He is love, and his love is unchanging. And this is the mystery that St. John is pondering his whole life and is caught up in this love of God that so animates all of his writing, uh, all of his contemplation. And he is calling us also into that principle 
to remember that God loved us first. This is love, that God has loved us. That is the source, that's the beginning. And he didn't love us because of any merit that there was in us. He didn't love us because of any goodness that he saw in us. He loved us because he is love. And so what St. John points out is that he loves us while we are yet sinners. While we are yet sinners, while we are undeserving of love, he loves us. And this infinite and unchanging love is the motivation behind our redemption, the motivation behind the incarnation, the sending of his son. This unchanging, infinite love is then also the motivation behind the feeding that we see today of Christ, of his disciples and the crowd and the multitude that are following them. But this infinite love of God is also the motivation behind then its fulfillment in the institution of the Blessed Sacrament and of the Eucharist. And so we see this love then animating Christ. He is love as he walks through this scene. We know that just before this, what has happened is that the Lord has seen the tiredness and the weariness of his own disciples. And he's not considering his own weariness and tiredness, but he says to them, come away a while and rest. And so they go off in a boat and when they get to the other side, the crowd is already there before them. And so the Lord then in his compassion and love, he looks at the crowd and he sees that they are like sheep without a shepherd. And so this love that forgets self and goes towards the beloved, the one that is loved, is exactly what we see in the Lord. Forgets himself again, always selfless. And he draws his disciples into this great act of love where he considers the sufferings of those who are before him. And their suffering is, like that, is that they are like sheep without a shepherd. And so that is the first level of their suffering. But we'll see that they are also hungry. So they have need on a spiritual level, but they also have needs on a physical level. And so in some of the other accounts, it says that after the Lord not only taught them, he also healed many. I think that's in Luke's account. And so he healed them as well. And so the mercy and the love of the Lord is just simply pouring out from him wherever there is need. And so where he sees that they lack truth, so to be like sheep without a shepherd is to lack direction, to not know where they should go in order to be fed, to not be defended, which is the role of the shepherd as well. And so he steps into that role where these sheep have been neglected by the Pharisees the Lord will now step in and he will begin to teach them, it says, many things. And they all sit and they listen to him and he feeds them first spiritually. He feeds them first with his truth because his truth is truly the food of the soul and of the mind. And so they are nourished by the truth that pours out from Jesus Christ. And he teaches them many things so not only will he feed them with an abundance of bread and fish, but he also lays before them this beautiful banquet of truth that they then consume and are nourished in their interior with. And then it grows late in the day. If we can think as well of that scene of the road to Emmaus, it is also late in the day when the Lord will feed his disciples. It is also later in the day when he himself will suffer and die. And so his passion and the Eucharist are specifically for when it is becoming dark, 
when the light will no longer be seen, this shows us that this is the food for the night, meaning it is the food for faith. Faith is belief without seeing. It is in a certain sense to walk in darkness. And so the nourishment that we receive from the Eucharist is to walk through this life with the strength that comes from Christ himself in the Blessed Sacrament. And so as it is growing late, then it is also a lonely place, meaning there is nothing else there. But they, what, the, what the Lord is calling his disciples to do is that they see it as a lonely place. They see it as lacking what they need. And he is turning their attention back to the fact that everything that they need is right there in their midst, the Lord himself. And so he says to them, you give them something to eat. And not only here will he feed the multitude that has now become hungry in his presence, but he will also increase the faith that is in his own disciples. And so then what he does is he takes the bread and the fish and in those Eucharistic signs and those Eucharistic movements, the looking up to heaven, the giving thanks, the breaking and the giving, he does the same thing here with the bread and the fish. And it is the Lord who breaks and distributes to the disciples and the disciples then take this constant multiplication of food out to the multitudes. And they are fed until they are satisfied. That is also the great beauty of the Eucharist, which is that each soul receives and is satisfied according to what it needs, because the Eucharist is an infinite source. The Eucharist is God himself. And so the Eucharist is the satisfaction of all of our desires, because all of our desires that are rightly ordered and good are fulfilled in Jesus. And after this great mystery, we see the abundance Everyone is eaten and is satisfied, and they take up 12 basketfuls that are left over. And this is also the wonderful love of God that pours itself out so lavishly in such abundance. All of this great mystery is still present to us here in the Blessed Sacrament. We receive something greater than they received on this day when they sat with the Lord in these mountains on the kind of northwestern shores of the Lake of Galilee. We don't receive bread that has been multiplied. We see, receive what looks like bread but has now become Christ himself. And so we receive something greater. The love of God is more manifest to us here than it was on those hills. And so we are called to give thanks for this great mystery, but also to consider what is truly present to us, that we are not in a lonely place. We are here with the Lord, and so we can never be lonely. The Lord who loves us and who has loved us from the beginning, loved us while we were yet sinners, loved us to the extent of giving his Son, and then also loved us to the extent of giving us himself in Holy Communion. Amen.